Turn with me uh, as I pray. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. We want to look and start at Matthew 7, 24, uh, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And uh, I just wanted these, uh, I've been uh, thinking about it and praying about it uh, these last few times I'm with you, what, what I would speak on. And I've asked the Lord, and he's kind of led me in direction today to, to preach on having a firm foundation. And then please don't miss the 29th. Uh, Dr. Mercer will be with you next week. And then uh, uh, Tim uh, Dix will be with you on the 22nd, and I'll be back on the 29th and uh, to, to preach and be with you just before our new pastor, praise Jesus, comes on uh, August the 5th. And uh, so I've really been praying about it, and, and God has led me uh, today to preach on how to have a firm foundation, and then on the 29th to pray and preach and teach on who you are in Christ. Uh, you know, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And so don't miss the 29th, because I'm going to share with you several things that God says from his word, who we are in Christ. And if you recognize who you are in Christ, you can do great and mighty things for Christ. And so I think that's the reason God wants me to preach that message. But today, I'm preaching about a firm foundation. So I said all that so we can have prayer, and then uh, we'll read. Father, we want to thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege of being here. Lord, I pray that you'd sweep this place, that we not be concerned about the heat, we not be concerned about anything other than this moment, and learning and growing in Christ. Lord, I pray that you speak to each of us individually. Lord, I know this message means one thing for some people and another thing for another, but Lord, you'll speak to, us heart, to our hearts and you'll glean and help us to glean that which you want us to learn today. But Lord, my prayer today is that none of us would leave here the way we entered in. And that all of us would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it was alluded to a little bit ago. Jesus said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on that rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to stand on a firm foundation. When I lived in Georgia, there was a house, beautiful house, on one of the major highways, in fact, you could call this house almost a mansion. It, it had acreage, beautiful tall trees, a tennis court, a swimming pool. And the house was so huge, you really could call it a mansion. And one day, I, I passed there all the time, going from my house to my church and going to my house to my church. And I always admired that house. But one day, there was a for sale sign on that house. And then, you know, I toyed with the idea. I thought, oh, Lord. If you'd have made me a millionaire, I could buy that house. I used to play tennis. Can't walk now, but I used to play tennis. I like to swim. It'd be the perfect house for me and Dorothy. And the Lord said, Herb, if I'd have made you a millionaire, you would have been worth the powder to blow you up. But that house didn't sell. And it sat there, and it sat there, and it sat there. Well over a year. And finally, one day, I passed it, and they were tearing it down. Later on, I found out the reason it didn't sell and the reason they tore it down. 
The house, even as huge as it was, as big as it was, as beautiful as it was, it was built on a very faulty foundation. And because of that, the house was sinking. It was cracking. The pipes were breaking. And it was cheaper to tear it down and buy someplace else or build someplace else than what it would have cost to repair it. So they tore it down. Well, in the same way, our life, if it's not built on a firm foundation, we'll have cracks. We'll be sinking in the mire of sin. We'll have all kinds of things going wrong. You see, it's very important for us to have a good belief system, a strong belief system. And our belief system as Christians ought to be founded on the Word of God. And so I've come to realize in my life that there's five disciplines, five principles, five things that God clearly states in His Word that ought to be in every Christian life. If any of these, and if any of these things are missing, and we don't pick and choose which ones of the five we want to do, we have to do all of them. If any, if any of them are missing, it's like a sitting on a three-legged stool with one leg missing and us on our feet on our rung. You're not going to be able to sit on that stool. You know, as I was preparing this message, I remembered years ago, almost 20 years ago when I first came to this church, a lady came to my office and, and, and she was talking about this ministry. And they were having a lesson, a, 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 I, guess you, I guess you'd call it, they were having a school on how to do this ministry. And she wanted, she said, I wish one of our pastors would go. Would you go, brother? I said, yeah, I'll go. I said, I can't ride over there with you. It was being in another church in downtown Orlando. And I said, but I'll follow you. And she was so thrilled. I said, okay, let's, we'll go. And we set the date for the, for the conference. And I followed her down there. And I walked in. And I knew I was in trouble. I was the only male. And she said they were going to have lunch. They had all these little sandwiches. Being a real man, right after the conference, since I was in my own car, I drove to McDonald's and got me a hamburger. But that's neither here nor there. And so they were so, so thrilled that I was there. And, and they, they brought a, this chair out and they told me to sit down. And I sat down. And that chair was faulty. One of the legs was broken and they didn't know it. And I fell all the way to the floor and I'm laying there. And I'm staring up in space. And all these ladies... And here's how they talk to me. Dear, are you okay? And one of the ladies who was a member of the church got the pastor's key in it and got his office chair. Woo! It was a throne. And I sat there in great comfort. But I thought about that, even this week. You know, I, I've sat, I sat down in this chair this morning. I didn't check it. I didn't look to see if it was faulty. I just trusted it and sat down. I plunked down in that chair and I sat there. But it wasn't a firm chair, and I ended up on the floor. So our belief system, our foundation will determine where we are and how firm our lives are and how we are anchored to Christ. So the first thing I want you to see is the first principle, and there's no, there's no numeric order in these principles. But all of them are important, and all of them, all of them ought to be in our lives. And so the first one is... We need to study the Bible. 
You know, over there in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, be diligent. What's that mean? Diligent, that means be faithful, be ongoing. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly divining the word of God, the word of truth. See, ladies and gentlemen, it's not optional for us to study the Bible. We ought to study the Bible. We ought to read the Bible every day. But it's not enough to just study the Bible. We have to apply the Bible. We got to apply the truths that the Bible teaches to our lives, our everyday lives. You know, James says, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. How many of us glance at the Bible? We may read a passage. We may live, and then we go, and it makes no change in our life. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so thankful for, for Dr. Jack Evans because he taught me as a new Christian. He says, Herb, when you read the Bible, when you study it, pick the passage that God leads you to. Pray. He says, don't try and read five or six chapters at a time. It's not like reading a novel. Read a portion, a theme. Study that theme. Read it over and over. Say, Lord, what is this saying? Ask the Holy Spirit to interpret what the Word is saying to you. If it does not interpret it, don't worry about it. You're not ready for that truth. You, you, you haven't reached that point yet. When you get ready for that point, God will reveal it to you through His Holy Spirit. But ask God to show, show you and share with you exactly what He's saying. And then you have to ask yourself a question. Am I doing what it's saying? And if you're doing what it's saying, he's reinforcing that truth in your life. You say, praise Jesus, I'm doing this. And you keep doing it. But if you're not doing it, then you're at a crossroad. Then you have to say, well, will I do it or won't I do it? And the answer to that is, apply it. Start doing it. Very simple. I was reading the scripture one time in Ephesians. And it says, do not let any unwholesome word proceed from your mouth that does not edify your hearers. I said, Lord, is it saying? What is it saying, Lord? And the Lord said, clean up your mouth. Quit using those words you're using. Quit cussing. I asked God to forgive me, and I started applying that truth. I knew I had arrived several years ago when I hit my thumb with a hammer. And I said, praise Jesus. You know, there's other words you can use. Folks, as you apply the Bible, you grow in Christ. You grow in wisdom. As you read the Bible and you study the Bible and you apply its truth, you start growing as a Christian. God does not want you to remain as a babe. He wants you to grow to maturity. Lord, there's not one of you in here today, not one of you in here today, that's where you were when you, the day you were born. When I was born, I couldn't even feed myself. When I was born, I couldn't even clothe myself. <laughs> when, I was, I was, when I was born, I couldn't do nothing except eat, cry, sleep, and do some other things. That's all I did. And I remember <laughs> as a little fella, I told my mom, I want to dress myself. And mom said, okay, she was so proud I was growing. I come out with my britches on backwards and my left shoe on my right foot and my right shoe on my left foot, and I was so proud because I was dressed, but not properly. Folks, it's important for us to study the Word so we can grow. And when we study the Word, we gain wisdom, and 
and God speaks to our hearts. But it's not enough to just study the Word of God. We, almost, we also need to become prayer warriors. What did we do a little while ago? We stood here and we prayed. And not that Elijah is not capable of praying, not that any one of you couldn't stand up here and pray. We all can pray. And the, the Word of God says very, throw that slide up for me, please. Okay. First Timothy 2.1, because I want you all to get this. Therefore, I exhort. That means I encourage, I beg, I plead. First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Who? Everybody. Nobody is out of the realm of prayers or your prayers. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of you in here today are here because somebody prayed for you at some, time, some point in time that you hear the gospel. And so when we study the Bible, God's speaking to us. But when we pray, we're speaking to God. And, you know, we have a misconcept of prayer because we hear people praying. And, and I know people that, that, that they say, I can't pray because they're, they're basing their ability to pray based on somebody else that they heard pray that may have been a prayer warrior for years. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear that. If you don't hear anything else from this point, hear this. Praying is not speaking big old elegant words that you have to have a dictionary to understand. Oh, God, thank you for being a propitiation of my sins. No, no. Prayer is just talking to God. Lord, here I am. It's Herb. I've messed up. But I want to thank you that uh, you love me. And even when I mess up, you're there. And so I just want to share some. I know you already know it, Lord, but I, I just want to share some things I, I've done today that I shouldn't have done. And I want to ask you to, to forgive me. And I want you to know I, I'm thankful for your love and I, I'm thankful for the air I breathe and the home I have and the wife I have. I thank you for my child and my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I ask you to protect them. And, Lord, I have a friend. He's hurting. He's only had two deaths in his family in the last two weeks, and now he's had another. Be with him, Lord. Help him. Folks, that's real prayer. Just talking to God. Making your requests known. Years ago, I was taught a little simple word that I can use to remind me how to pray. It's called acts. A is for adoration. Praise God. Thank him. Praise him for his attributes. C is for confession. Confess your sins. T is for thanksgiving. Let him know what you're thankful for. S is for supplications. Pray for those around you that need a, a word of prayer, or need a helping hand. Pray for, pray for those needs in your own life. It's okay. Now, now, on this point, I want you to remember something. As you read the Bible, you see that Jesus prayed. Now, I thought about this this week. Contrary to many people's belief, I do think. And I thought, if Jesus needed to pray, who is the very, is God in the flesh, how much more do we need to pray? And he prayed so much that his disciples saw his prayer life and they came and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And we call this the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not the Lord's Prayer. 
That's a model of prayer. That's an example of prayer that he gave us. He says, when you pray, pray like this. If you want to read the Lord's Prayer, when he's really actually praying, today. Sometimes they go to John, the 17th chapter, and read the 17th chapter. The 17th chapter is an actual praying episode in Jesus' life that's been put there by his disciples. And, and see how he prayed. You know, when I read that chapter, and I, I, I read it all the time, I am so grateful because in that prayer, he prayed for me. He prayed for me. He prayed for you. He prayed for all those who are going to become his children of God. So we need to study the Bible. We need to be a, a prayer warrior. But we need to be faithful to worship. The Bible says over there in, uh, let me get to it. If you'll throw that slide up there, please. In Hebrews 10.25. Now, we're talking about worship. That's what we're doing right now. It says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, the more as you see the day approaching. What is that day? The day of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that Jesus is closer to coming back today than he was yesterday, and he'll be closer tomorrow, and he's closer than he was 2,000 years ago. And so we are exhorted. We are to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Now, let me tell you what it means not to forsake the assembly. It means don't miss church. Because the next verse, you know, see, we're, we're good about reading verses of Scripture. And then, you know, like John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, who would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we, that's, we stop there. But the next verse says, do not think that I've come in to judge the world. The world's, the world's already been judged. And the very next verse here says, for when you go on sinning willfully. <laughs> what is the willful sin? Forsaking the assembly of yourselves together. Folks, worship is important. It's a church gathered, praying to God, worshiping, praising him, learning scripture, being taught scripture. It's important. You know, I've been a Christian now for 52 years. And I've seen a lot of paradigm shifts. And one of the shifts I've seen is the fact that our society has changed. Our Christian society has changed. When, when I was a brand new Christian, in the first church, I, I was saved at Briar Lake Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia. But I never really was part of that church. I mean, I was part of that church because I got saved there. I had a membership there. Never went to small group there. Because my wife and I, I got this big promotion. And we bought a house in another community called Lilburn, Georgia. And we moved out there. And I joined First Baptist Lilburn. That's the first thing I did. I went out there. And we, my wife and I would visit every church. And we decided to join First Baptist Lilburn. And you know why we chose that church? It wasn't because they were better than any other churches. And we visited five churches. That was the only church that cared enough about us to come and knock on our door one night and come in and visit us. And a deacon came in and visited us. And then two weeks later, the pastor came and visited us. And the next week, we joined the church. They cared about us. None of the other four even made contact with us. I'm just telling you how it was. But when I first joined that church, the church would receive every year, the beginning of the year, a request from the school system. Now hear this. 
they would receive a request from the school system to find out what our schedule was. Because if we had some special event planned on Wednesday night, like a revival or a special speaker or, or something, they knew that if they planted a meeting or something on that night, it wouldn't be well attended because the church people wouldn't come. Because what was the first priority in their lives? Not the school system, but the church. The church was the central part of that community. Now we've had a paradigm shift right here in this church, I know, because I've said in many a staff meeting on many a week at the beginning of the school year going over what the schedule of the school system was so we wouldn't plan anything on anything that they had going on because we knew that if we did that, the church people wouldn't come. When I was a brand new Christian, my pastor preached a sermon one time, and he said, folks, the average Christian, not the leaders, the average Christian, we can expect them to attend 48 weeks out of 52. Now, we just surveyed this, because this is one of my ministries at the church in, in, in helping to do the deacon's ministry. And we found out that the leaders, not the average Christian, but the leaders on average, only attend the church 36 Sundays out of 52. And we had the, we've had, when I first was running the deacons, in order to be a deacon at the main campus, you had to attend the church 80% of the time because you were assigned to Sunday school class. Now that's been dummied down to 60%. Now I'm not, I'm not fussing here, and I'm not, you know, I'm just saying let's look and check reality. What's important? The Bible says, do not forsake your worship. Because when you go on sinning willfully, there's going to be a consequence. And then if you go down to verse 29, it says, because when, you, when you're doing this, you're trotting underfoot the Son of God. You're saying the blood of Christ by which you've been sanctified is a unholy thing. And you're insulting the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm not fussing, but I want you to know, this had a great impact on my life. Because when I was a Sunday school teacher, not a young Christian, I was growing. But I had, I had uh, some uh, tasks in the church. But I worked hard. I was building a business, and I started another business. I was working hard, and every once in a while, I just said, I need a break. And I called my wife and I said, honey, pack a suitcase and get the little one ready. When I come home, we're, we're going to Panama City and enjoy a weekend at the beach. And I'm going to do some deep sea fishing. And we're just going to relax and have a good time. I just thought I was doing it occasionally, but I was doing it more and more and more and more. And one day my pastor called me, Brother Jack Evans. He says, where have I been missing you? And I thought... Now, that's a big church. How in the world could he be missing me? He says, can I come by your house? I said, sure, Pastor. He come by my house. And he says, you're, you're all of a sudden missing a lot of Sundays. I said, well, I'm not missing that. He said, well, you're missing more than you think because I miss you in worship. And I says, Pastor, with all that, how can you miss me? He says, it's easy. You sit in the same place all the time. If you're not sitting there, I know you're gone. Duh. He said, let me read something to you. And I'm just sharing with you what he shared with me on that day. This is the verse he shared with me. And he went all the way to verse 29. And I said, Pastor, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. 
And he says, why do you take Sunday off? And I says, well, I'm closed on Sunday. And I never, you know, Brother Jack Evans, I mean, he, he, was, a, he, was, he was one of those Bible-believing preachers. And he said, well, Herb, why don't you take Friday off? Or why don't you take Thursday? I said, I said Pastor, those are my, some of my busy days. He says, oh, you don't mind taking the Lord's day. You just don't want to take your day. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have to be hit with a sledgehammer. I ask God to forgive me. And you know what? I put the church in my life where it ought to be. First importance. It's important. It's not a club that you drop into, drop out of. And if you're not faithful to the church, and God, this is Jesus' church. He established it. He died for it. He shed his blood for it. And he expects every one of his children to be a part of it. In Acts, it says, God was adding daily to the church to those who were being saved. And they were gathering and fellowshipping together, breaking bread and worshiping and praying and following the, the Apostles' Creed. They were growing in Christ. It was important. And it's important today. And one of the things that, 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 that breaks my heart is the church is losing its influence in our communities because it's not as important to Christians as it ought to be. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. And this is, and I'm not getting political, so, I, you know, but this was approved in the last election. It says the evangelicals came and voted, and we made a difference. And we can make a difference today. Let me share with you a little truth. Gwinnett County, the local city, the, the county congress, uh, councilman brought some big firm in from New York and paid them $60,000 to do a study. And they came up with the study, and, and we learned that in that study, and what was about to be approved as law in, the, in Gwinnett County, and it was that churches could no longer start churches in homes. You couldn't have Bible studies in homes because they were ongoing. You could have a party where people are drinking and shooting guns off. You know, that's only one week, maybe every six months. But a, a, a group meeting in a home, and that's how we started our churches. That's the strategy we use to start our churches, have a Bible study start in a home. Anybody ever heard of a church by the name of Saddleback that's got over 20,000 members in California? Dr. Rick Warren? My sister's a member of that church, and she knows the history of that church, but I know the history of that. That church started in the apartment of Dr. Rick Warren when he first started the church, and it grew to 20,000. But it started in a home. Well, the city council got wind that the churches were going to come to that meeting. We never went to meetings, but we were going to go to that meeting. And it was not just Baptists. It was Baptists, Episcopals, <laughs> Methodists, Catholics. It was a Christian community. I'll never forget that. So many, of us, we, so many of us showed, and we weren't bringing people from outside. It was people in the community. And we, were, we came to that meeting, and we came so strong, they had to move the meeting to this big school gym, and they couldn't get us all in there. And we were out there in the parking lot, flooding the parking lot. <laughs> and the chairman of the county commission stood up and says, you know, folks, we can see that this is not something our citizens want. We don't need to even pay for it. We're going to take it off the docket, and we're going to throw it. We've wasted $60,000, but we're not going to change the existing law. 
we made a difference. Folks, if you want to make a difference, <laughs> we have got to make Bible study, make prayer, and make worship an important part of our lives. But that's only three of the disciplines. That's only three of the principles. The fourth, fourth principle is that we should all have a ministry. The Word of God says over, throw the slide up, please. This is a faithful saying. You get this? This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to want to affirm constantly. This is a faithful saying. Confirm this constantly. That means ongoing. That those who have believed in God, that's us, should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. To maintain good works. Folks, simply stated, that means we ought to have a ministry. Over in Galatians, it says, we ought to serve one another in love. All of us ought to have a ministry. Jesus didn't come from heaven, suffer what he suffered, and died and bled and was buried so we all can sit in a pew or sit in a chair saying, here I am. Feed me. Folks, unless you have a ministry, unless you're doing something for the cause of Christ, you don't have ownership. You are constantly receiving but never giving out. You become like the Dead Sea if you're not careful. You know, I, I don't mean this ugly. I don't mean this mean. I want you to hear my heart this morning. I want this church to grow. I want you to grow. But I have noticed in 52 years of ministry, very seldom have I ever found someone who was truly involved in the church, in ministry, really complaining. I've been in several churches that have been tore up, and there's always a group of people who are not happy because they don't think they're getting what they ought to get. And they're not the folks that are involved in churches. Folks that are sitting and saying, here I am, feed me. Folks, everybody ought to have some kind of a ministry. Now, I'm not saying, hey, look at Brother Herb. But I was a brand new Christian. I just joined Lilburn. I didn't know, I didn't know the, the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. Seriously. I'd never owned a Bible. The only Bible I ever saw was the hernia Bible that my mother had on the coffee table that every time she moved it to dust, she got a hernia. Big old heavy thing. You've seen them. This big. Had the most beautiful pictures. Have print that big, that tall. I didn't read it. Occasionally, I look at the beautiful pictures. I never read a Bible. I never owned a Bible. Dorothy bought me my first Bible the day after I got saved. But I wanted to do something. But there wasn't a lot I could do. And I noticed that there was a group of boys that couldn't make the local ball teams. They couldn't play ball. And I, I got this idea. I think it's of the Lord. I, I went to the pastor. And I said, is there, is there a league, a church league somewhere? That we, he said, sure. I said, well, do you mind if I put a team together? He says, no, go at it. Have at it. Yeah, anything you want to do. I got a friend of mine in the church. We were both businessmen. We, we, we could set our schedule. We owned our businesses. If I wanted to leave early, I could leave early. And we gathered of all these boys that just couldn't play. They just, I'm telling you, they couldn't play. And we worked with them, and we joined this league. show you how new I was. The first time we went to another church to play, they told me that the visiting coach always prayed. I never prayed. I couldn't pray. I almost passed out. And the guy knew that I was uncomfortable. I, I said, well, would, would you do it this time? They said, I couldn't pray. That's one of the things I couldn't feel like I do. 
But I could teach those boys. I know you all don't believe this. I used to be an athlete. I know you all don't believe that. But And uh, me and my, we, we taught these boys how we got them, taught them how to bat and field and everything. We put them in position. And you know what? We had a perfect season. We lost every game. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. We had a lot of fun. We, led a, we, led an, we ate a lot of ice cream. And me and my buddy, it was always on us. We loved those boys. One of them grew up, Steve Pace. And he's now serving God as a minister of music. Graduated with a master's degree in music from Southwest Seminary. Just a great kid. And he's become a great man. But you know what? Not only did I do that, and I'm not looking at me. I, there's something, I went to a, thing, a new thing called the Brotherhood. I mean, I was going to everything. If the church was open, I was there. I was excited. And I went to the Brotherhood, and I just happened to come to the first meeting. Or it was the second meeting. And so I came twice in a row. And I, you know I can talk. And I'm outgoing, and so I was shaking everybody's hand, glad hand, and so they were electing officers. And they were having trouble electing the secretary treasurer. And so somebody said, well, why don't we let the new man, you know, give him something to do. I said, uh, Brother Herb, would you be our secretary treasurer? I said, be, I'd, be, I'd be glad to. I'd be glad to. I could, I could count money. That's something I could do. <laughs> I could take notes. That's something I could do. I didn't, want, I didn't realize for a long time until I grew as a Christian, nobody wanted that job and it took me six years to get rid of it. But I did it. Folks, God wants everybody to have a ministry. I don't care where it is. I was sharing with the Discovery East class this morning, and if I mention the name, I know Don, I know Ron, I know Randy, I know all you guys know this guy. He's been a leader on the main campus for years. He's just a, he's a great guy, dedicated Christian. He has an important ministry in the church today. He's been involved in, and I remember one time being with him. We were out somewhere, and somebody asked him, says, how, how did you get started and, and get into a place of leadership where you are? He says, well, he says, I don't know, but I, the first thing I ever done in the church I like that language, done in the church. First thing I ever did in the church, I do speak correctly, was I'd come early with a broom and a dustpan. And I'd sweep the, the front steps off, and I'd sweep the front entrance because leaves would get on it. And I'd sweep the sidewalk, and all the way down, it was when we were in the, what we call Legacy Hall. And every Sunday, nobody asked him to do it. That became his ministry. You know, I thought about that. God says... If you're faithful in the little things, and you're faithful, I will give you the bigger things. Ladies and gentlemen, and I don't mean this, take this the way I mean it. And my, if, you don't, if you don't trust me, ask my wife, she'll tell you. Except for the first few weeks, there's never been in my, a time in my life, never, never, that I haven't had a ministry in the church. You say, well, Herb, that's because you're a pastor. No. 
I got saved when I was 25. I didn't call in the ministry until I was 40. I had 15 years. I've served on nominating committees, stewardship committees, taught Sunday school, church training, Wednesday night. Folks, there's never been a time that I can remember when I didn't have an active ministry in the church. God wants you to do something. That's how the church grows. And the church only grows as we do ministries and start new ministries. So he wants you to study the word. That's important. He wants you to pray. That's important. He wants you to worship. That's important. He wants you to have a ministry. That's important. But then finally, the fifth, fifth principle that he, that he wants you to have, he wants you to be a witness for Christ. That's what most of us are lacking. He wants you to be a, minister, a witness for Christ. He says, throw this slide up there. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says they immediately dropped their net, and they followed him. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Another time he came and spoke to them and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I've taught you. And, Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then just before he ascended, he says, you shall be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit has come upon you in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. He wants us to be his witnesses. He wants us to share within our circle of influence. Ladies and gentlemen, as we go, we need to share the gospel. There's cards on many of the, the uh, chairs where you can just take a card and drop it with a big tip in a restaurant or give it out to somebody. There's, there's just, you know, you can hand out a track. Many of you have already went through training. You can share the gospel. But he wants us to go out and make disciples. He does not want his church to be us four no more. He wants us to be about giving out the gospel that people may be saved. And I'm here to tell you, there's no greater joy, no greater joy that you can have as a Christian than seeing someone come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and knowing that you had a part in the birthing, that God used you. Because, you know, the Bible says, there has to be a blood sacrifice for people to be saved. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So you gotta have, you got to have a blood sacrifice. And you got to have the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. you you just, you just got to have that. But the blood sacrifice does nobody any good unless they hear about it. And the Holy Spirit cannot convict a person of their sin and their need for Christ unless somebody tells them. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him who they've not heard? And how shall they believe unless someone tells them? And how can somebody tell them unless they go? So ladies and gentlemen, this morning, and, and I hope, you know, I hope you, you know how much I love you all. And my desire always is to see people grow in Christ. Nothing thrills me more than see somebody come to Christ and then grow. I have a whole group of men at the main campus who are still carrying on the ministries they were my ministries, and they're laymen, 
And many of those laboring over the years, I had the privilege, and I'm not saying breaking, I'm just wanting you to know, of leading the Christ and then discipling them and making part of my Bible study and growing them and then giving them a ministry. One day I had a staff member in another church come and he says, Herb, I don't know, I don't know, you know, you, you don't do your ministry. I said, what do you mean? He says, you're always giving your ministry away. I said, that's what I do. <laughs> that's a minister's job, to start a ministry, teach people to do the ministry, and then go start another ministry and let them handle the ministry. Because God trusts you, I trust you. So study your Bible. Pray. Worship. Have a ministry. And then become a witness for Christ. Those are the things that will help you grow. It's just like, unless you sleep properly, eat properly, exercise properly, clean your body properly, you're not going to be healthy physically. And unless you do the things I talked about this morning, you're not going to be healthy spiritually. It's not an either or, it's both and. And so today, I pray that you'll determine and say, you know, I'm going to study my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to worship more. I'm going to find, if I, I'm going to, if I have a ministry, praise God. If you don't have a ministry, I'm going to find a ministry. I'm going to find somebody I can help. I'm going to find something I can do in the church to help my church. Your church, that is Christ is the head. And I'm going to be a witness for the cause of Christ. All I can do right now is maybe hand out a track or, or lay, put out a, a, a card inviting people to come to Cross Life East. But I can do that. If you put it on a waitress's table, put a big tip. But I can do that. And it all starts right here. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't do any of these things unless Christ is in your life. Unless you realize that you're a sinner. Unless you realize that you need Christ and you're willing to repent and receive God's gift of eternal life. Because the Bible says, many have received him, to them he become the children of God. If you're willing to turn from your sin, to call on the name of the Lord by taking a simple, and saying a simple prayer, and I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'll pray this prayer with me right now, you'll become a child of God. And you know that when you die, and you will die, you'll see Jesus in heaven. And if you don't die because you're here when Jesus comes, praise God, because you're going to go into rapture. <laughs> I want to die just before he comes so I don't have to go through all that. I, I'm afraid of heights. So, you know, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, that you love us so much that you gave us your only son. And so, Lord, right now, I pray if there's any here who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today will be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray they'll pray this simple prayer. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness. I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for me on the cross. He has the power to forgive me my sin. So Jesus, right now, I ask you to forgive me my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to you. And I'll follow you all days of my life. Please make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.